eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Welcome. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball Players Edition alongside Tony Gwynn Jr. I'm Ben Davis. Big Time Baseball Players Edition is a part of Radio.com, which allows you to listen to all your favorite radio stations for free, anytime, anywhere. Later on in the program, we'll have Gabe Kapler, manager of the Philadelphia Phillies in his second year, uh, will be joining us. I look forward to that. Not to catch up on with the skipper. Uh, as I said, I am Ben Davis, and I got to play parts of seven years in the big leagues with the San Diego Padres, Seattle Mariners, and Chicago White Sox. I currently am in my fifth year uh, doing the color commentary for the Philadelphia Phillies on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And when I'm not do- in the booth, I'm also in, uh, in studio doing the pre- and post-game shows. For the hometown team, I grew up watching, uh, never got to play for the Phillies, but uh, get to talk about him nonetheless. Um, and I'm alongside Tony Gwynn Jr. Who, Tony, let me, I will tell you that I was at a golf tournament this morning and I said I had to run because I had to get home and do my podcast with Tony Gwynn Jr. And everybody, to a man, said, please give Tony our best. We loved him here in Philadelphia. I know it was just a short time you're here one year, but they all give their best and, uh, and pass along their well wishes. Well, I appreciate that, Ben. It was a, uh, one year, but it was a tough year for me from a personal standpoint, and I had so much support from from the people in Philadelphia. Uh, they're, they're, they have a place in my heart that that will never be lost. So please give them my best as well. Again, Tony Tony Gwynn Jr. here. Parts of eight seasons in the big leagues with the Padres, the Dodgers, the Brewers, and my one year in Philly. Uh, I transitioned out of the game of baseball, at least playing it, into the broadcasting side. And uh, currently, I, I host a radio show uh, from 3 to 7 here in San Diego on 97.3 The Fan. And when I'm not there, I'm doing pre and post on Fox Sports San Diego here for the Padres, as well as some color uh, on the radio for the Padre games and, and select games. So uh, I, I have a pretty busy workload, as do you, uh, 
Ben and uh, by the way, Ben and I go way back. I mean, we we've I've known him since I was 18 years old. Uh, he was playing for for the Padres my dad's last year, uh, and I've got so me and Ben have a relationship going back some time. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And uh, I still remember that little kid. Well, not so little, but flying around the outfield, taking all the fly balls away from us, which we were more than happy to accommodate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you were. <laughs> Radio.com, uh, Big Time Baseball, is part of one of over 300 stations on Radio.com and over 1,100 podcasts. You can explore by location or genre to find music, news, and sports from your own location or across the country. You can follow Radio.com Sports on Twitter at RDC Sports. Well, Tony, let's get right into it. Let's talk about, I know it was last weekend as we approach a new weekend, but we, we got to bring up the, the, the players weekend and the jerseys that the home mm. and the visiting teams were wearing. They just got it wrong. It was not a good look. No, they, they got it completely wrong. And listen, I, 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 I can get on the wavelength of the idea of what they were trying to accomplish, but once it was out on the field, it was pretty obvious from the very first game of Players Weekend that this wasn't a good idea. I mean, you had all black uniforms, you had all white uniforms. So, A, you couldn't see who anybody was. You had mm-hmm. no idea numbers, last names, or any of that. So if you were happened to tune into a national game, uh, you had to kind of look at the backdrop, figure out the stadium in which they were playing. Okay, that gives you one team. And then you had to wait for the commentators to kind of give you uh, some of the clues to who everybody else was. But more importantly, right, especially out on the West Coast, we were here in San Diego. We had the Red Sox in town. You don't get these guys in town very often. And I just felt like we did the fans a disservice because ultimately we didn't even get to see the Red Sox in the 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 all of the history in which that uniform carries. We didn't get to see it. We no. didn't get to see none of it. Up the street, two hours up the street in Los Angeles, you had the Yankees and Dodgers facing off against each other mm-hmm. in black and white uniforms. It was. Yeah. It, it, I just felt like they missed an opportunity, not only uh, for players weekend, but for the fan bases that don't get to see these teams back east very often, completely missed it. Yeah, absolutely. And you have two iconic uniforms, right, with the Dodgers. The Dodgers, for me, they're my second favorite uniform in all of baseball. The Detroit Tigers home uniforms are my favorite. I just absolutely love them. I have always have. But the Dodgers, my second favorite. And to have them on there, and then obviously the New York Yankees, the most iconic sports franchise in the entire world. To have those two guys on, on national television, it just it just was bad. It was a bad look for baseball, and unfortunately, the players got this wrong. It, it just didn't work out. But and and that was the tough part is that when you walked around, you talked to players, none of them liked it either. And nobody could tell me whose idea it was. Nothing. So I don't know whose idea it was. Clearly, the players didn't like like it, and this was almost to a man on both teams as far as the Padres and Red Sox were concerned. Neither really liked them that much. So I'm interested to know who came up with the idea. Well, I'm pretty sure it was the Players Association. And, mm. uh, you know, but how about the, the funny thing is whoever wore the white uniforms, the pitchers had to wear black we're hats. Wear black. <laughs> so, so the ball wouldn't get lost in the cap. And it, you know what? It's just like, I, I think the player's idea, just to give the, the fans a, a sense of some nicknames, right, that po- guys would possibly, I think it, you know, it, it, the fans really appreciate that or, and get to know somebody maybe a little bit more personally. But I, come on, it was just it was just bad. But one nickname I thought that was pretty cool, uh, you know, you have Christian Yelich out there. Um, there were some good ones, uh, you know, 
Reese Hoskins is the name one in, in Philadelphia, big fella. He, so he had big fella on the back of his jersey. So that's kind of cool. I like I like the nicknames just to see what guys are all about. Um, so, you know, if, if you had to play in today's game, what would be on your back? What nickname I, would you have? I, I probably would have kept it simple, TG2 or, or, or just T, because that was what the majority of my teammates called me. So I probably right. would have went with that. I wouldn't have had a self-made nickname, though. I mean, I just I, it feel awkward having a self-proclaimed nickname. You kind of want to have your teammates give you that type of thing. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I get it. How um, about you? Uh, I would probably have Big Irish on the back. So that's, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, uh, it's you know I, I'm 100% Irish and uh, I'm a larger human. <laughs> you you're not small. You're not I'm small. A, I'm a larger human. So uh, the name you know I forget who gave it to me years ago, but someone just called me hey big Irish, and I'm like you know what I kind of like that. So I said I always welcomed it. If, if, if you had an opportunity, I said yeah I'll gladly do that. So and that, uh, that's did you guys now as and I know some of the broadcast teams across baseball had their jerseys made up for their broadcast. Did you guys do that in Philly? We did not. We just wore oh, the okay. standard golf shirts. Uh, you know, Tom McCarthy, <laughs> our play-by-play, he always tells us what shirts to wear. So we just wore just a, a, well, a generic I, I, golf shirt. I know, I know that his name nickname would have been T-Mac, I'm sure. That's what exactly everybody calls right. him. Perfect. Exactly right. Yep. Uh, you know, moving, moving into some different things, I know we have uh, a lot of potential free agents out there, unrestricted free agents, and they can go wherever they want. Go to the highest bidder or whatever team needs you the most. Uh, but there's some big names out there and some guys that have gotten traded to some different ball clubs that are having a big impact for you know a potential playoff team. But if we go through the list of some big name uh, free agents, there's a couple out there. I think first and foremost, if I were to start a baseball team, if I'm playing, I put my GM hat on, I'm going to start it with pitching. I, I'm just, I'm sorry, there's just not enough good pitching out there. I'm going to go with Garrett Cole. If Garrett Cole's out there, I'm going to go get him. It's, that's a no-brainer, uh, at least at least in my opinion. I mean, Garrett Cole, I think, will be the marquee name uh, that is on the free agent wire this year. I mean, there could have been a whole bunch of different names, right? You could have had, uh, uh, you had Arenado on there as well. That has kind of gone away because he signed the extension. But Garrett Cole right now is the clear front-runner. That's probably on a lot of teams' list, right? Uh, he, he rocking a nine. He's nine and five with the three point zero nine ERA and nineteen first half starts. But since the All Star break, you know, we talking because the key in, in free agency, right, is having a good year. And mm-hmm. there's no better time to do it in the second half of the year. Second half of this season, he's six and zero with a two four five. I think that's going to get it done. I think that's going to get it done. And and when you think about his age, he's not somebody who's who's you know that old. I mean, he's still relatively young, late twenties. So I think uh, Garrett Cole is a no brainer. He'll be the he'll be the biggest free agent sought after this offseason, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from a from a position player standpoint, Anthony Rendon is the biggest uh, guy out there. He is having a ridiculous year. That first and foremost, this guy's an extra base machine. He is Monster. an absolute extra base machine. This year, he's got a one point zero two two OPS in one hundred and seventeen games. He's, his OPS is over a thousand. Are you kidding me? I mean, you're getting it's, like it's, Ted Williams. Yeah, and and it's he plays it. I think a very undervalued third base he's a sneaky really really good third baseman he gets a lot of balls he's got an awkward throwing motion but he's i I mean it's right chest high every time i think he's going to demand an awful lot of money you know rendon rendon is rendon is is 
probably the next guy on that list, right? We've gone one and two, I think, as far as top-tier free agents. And you're right, Rendon is a, a very underrated defensive player. He, he makes all of the, the routine plays, and he's going to make a few that probably he shouldn't make uh, out at third base. But I think... It's just it's easy to get lost on the defensive side when you when as you mentioned you look at his offense. This guy's an extra base hit machine, as you said. I think he has one of the quietest, one of the prettiest swings in all of baseball. You don't see too many guys with, and, and, and it's it's kind of that Rafael Palmero thing, right? Where it doesn't look like he's swinging hard, but the ball is just it coming off the bat at a, at an unbelievable speed. Uh, he he's definitely the the top. Uh, position player, but I tell you, there's one guy in particular that's I think raised his stock. I think Rendon Cole. I think they were anticipated to be at the top, but a guy who I think has really raised his stock is, is, is Nick Castellanos, who was traded from Detroit to Chicago, mm -hmm. and since getting arriving in Chicago, he's been really good. It's been a, a breath of fresh air, a new start for him after being just drowned in so much losing over the last few years. Yeah, it just seems like he's revitalized, and, and the Cubs could they need it. They needed that shot in the arm, and he's mm -hmm. provided that. No, oh, he's been great. And, and think about him from a personal standpoint. You go from Motor City, Detroit, which uh, nothing against Detroit. It just wasn't one of my favorite places. It really wasn't. But he gets to go to Chicago and play for another storied franchise in the Cubs. But I'm with you. I think his stock has risen inf infinitely. He's been so good. He plays a very good right field. He's got a good arm. But his ability to stay inside the baseball, drive balls out of the park yes. everywhere, he has been a, a great pickup. And I think he's going to demand a lot of money out there on the on the, on the market. There's uh, no doubt. There's no doubt. And I got one more for you because we, got. we named the top two guys. Now we're talking about some guys that kind of flew under radar. And I was completely down on this next guy when the Braves signed him. But Josh Donaldson has mm -hmm. made the made the decision to bet on himself. He signed a one-year deal in Atlanta, and he was just okay early, but he started to get hot. I mean, you look up, he's got 32 homers. He's got an OPS of 903, and he's a big reason why this Braves team is, is at the top of that East and trying to pull away from everybody. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and he, he's been really good. He's using the whole field as well. But i got to ask you a question, Tony. Does his age and injury proneness scare you away a little bit, maybe from a multi-year deal? It doesn't scare me away, but unfortunately for Josh, I'm not a GM. Uh, it's going to scare away a bunch of GMs. We've seen the volatility of the free agent market you know, when, that, when it comes. And the one thing you know is that they aren't really liking guys in their 30s, and they don't like guys who have a history of injury. And if you have those, you're not going to get a, a, a long multi-year deal. You might get two years when it's all said and done. Teams are just not willing to take the gambles that they used to, especially with analytics. They feel like they are Teflon when it comes to that. And they aren't going to go where maybe in maybe 10, 12 years ago, they might have gone with a 33-year-old third baseman who's putting up having an excellent season, has had excellent seasons in the past, but the age and the injury history, I think at the end of the day, is going to cost Josh Donaldson. Now, he got the one-year $23 million for this season. I think a lot of that was due because the Braves knew they had to make a move. They had to bring somebody yeah. in from an offensive standpoint that could push them over the top. So for one year, if you're the Braves organization, it makes a lot of sense, but you know, if you're Josh Donaldson, you're probably not looking to go year to year at this point. You probably want a multi-year deal, and I'm not sure if there's if he's going to have a big market for 
multi-year deals at his age and his injury history. Yeah, but you know what? If he keeps signing one-year deals at $23 million a year, I think he'll be just fine and, and, and get over there, that. I, <laughs> I think he'll get I, over it. I think he has the, I think he should be able to get over it. The question <laughs> is, we know, how, we, know how to, we know how players are. They have mm-hmm. something in their mind, and, and, and not everybody's willing to, to be a nomad. Not everybody's willing to just move from place to place to place and, 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 and really um, – and really, you know, go with the one-year deal. Guys want those multi-year deals. But if he's willing to do that, I think that'll be easy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, take a look at some of these pennant races. And, and one that sticks out in particular, I think the East is sewn up. I think, obviously, the West is sewed up in the, in the National League. But take a look at the, the National League Central. I mean, you have a couple teams there still at the top and some really key players uh, in that division. I think that can really propel each team into the, a possible playoff. Um, but you look at the you look at the Cubs – I think the Brewers are starting to fade just a little bit. The Cardinals aren't going to go anywhere. But you look at one guy in particular. I think he's been so good. And I've seen this guy for the last couple of years. He really impresses me. And that's Jack Flaherty, the Cardinals pitcher. He's 4-0 with a .28 ERA in his last four starts. You want somebody that's stepping up for your ball club. I know he only gets to play every fifth day. But if you have a guy that you can really rely on, on a pitching staff that's been a little bit maligned over the season, yeah, he is yeah. really starting to step it up. I think he might be the next guy that they ink to a long-term deal. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it, it makes some sense from the Cardinals' standpoint. Uh, he's a guy that they've brought up through their organization and and really um, has started to figure it out. You could see the talent. in the Last, last year I saw him pitch against the Padres, and you could see – why there was a lot to like about him, a little bit inconsistent, but it seems as though he's starting to turn the corner on that. He's he's really honed in on his command. Uh, you mentioned the numbers four and zero at a zero point two eight ERA in his last four starts. The question, and I and I think really the rest of the season, regardless of what happens with their team, it's an audition for him because if he can finish out the year pitching, maybe not at a at a zero point two eight ERA, <laughs> but if he can keep it, you know, low and, and continue to win games. There's no doubt this is the the type of guy the Cardinals want to keep. He's yeah. young. He 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 he's come through this organization and he started to turn the corner. They've had they've seen this before. Whether it was Wainwright, you know, whether it was uh was Waka at at one point, those are the type of guys they like to lock up. Flaherty certainly looks like he's on his way. And, and you know, we were talking about uh, free agents to be Osuna fits into that category. He's yeah. been good for the Cardinals as well. That's why they're in the thick of this wild card race, Ben. Yeah, and they got Yadier back. He's been really good for him. And this guy, you talk about an ageless wonder. Yadier Molina, all the games he catches, I know he's on the IL for a short stint this year. But this guy is, he plays every day, even at his age, and he's still, uh, you know, one of the best catchers in all of baseball. But uh, I'm anxious to see how that race goes down. It's going to go down the wire. I'm anxious to see if the Brewers can start to hang around. It's just, it's tough with their starting pitching. I just don't know if they have enough. They're starting. Their starting pitching was an issue last year, um, and it continues to be an issue this year. And and, and they actually are a healthier starting pitching group this year compared to last year. Uh, But they just – I don't know if they're going to have enough offense when it's all said and done. Because with the pitching, you have to assume the pitching has been like this all season. It's not going to just randomly start getting a whole lot better, I think, from this point forward. There's no more moves out there to be made. So that means the offense is going to have to have an uptick. And I'm not sure that they have a, another level they can go as an offense, at least this year. 
And, and for that reason, I don't. I think they're they're on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, we we'll, we'll talked about a big bat in that division. He's a young kid, Aristides Aquino. Uh, this guy, what he's been able to do, he's hitting three hundred and ninety two at bats, thirteen home runs. I, I mean. It's it's been fun to watch. Do you think he can continue this, or he's just really hot in a really small ballpark? You know what? It's it's hard to say, Ben. I, I mean, I would love to believe that he can continue this. I think the the Reds are certainly hopeful that he can continue this. Um, but that's what that's what makes these young guys so fun to watch because you see how early they seem to be picking things up at the big league level, and it starts to have you looking into the future. Like, can this guy continue to be a guy? I mean, listen, he, he 13 homers in his first 100 plate appearance? Are you kidding me? Like his that's, first 92 at-bats. First that's 90. That, that, is, that is absolutely insane, and I get it. He plays in Great America Ballpark with the ball. It's, it's a launching pad there. But these aren't wall scrapers he's hitting out, by the way. They're probably gone in most stadiums yeah. it, it, around baseball. So... The, de- the, the Listen, that Reds team, I think maybe next year, maybe a year after, are going to be a team that the Central's got to pay attention to because they got a lot of young talent over there. Uh, they, they've ad- made some moves that, you know, are beneficial to them. I mean, bringing a guy in like Bauer, although he was a problem in Cincinnati, it, it, it does him no good to come to Cincinnati and be a problem. He's going to want right. to be on his best behavior there, so you're going to get a good Bauer. Uh, and that's to go along with the Castellano, a guy who I think has one of the better arms in the game right now and is pitching at a high level at such an early point in his career. So, uh, I mean, in regards to Aquino, though, I think he's he'll, he'll definitely be, when we get to that part of the show, he'll definitely be mentioned in that 2020 all-decade team when we get there, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And moving over to the AL Central, uh, we have a couple teams that's again, it seems like we talk about the Twins and the Indians every week, but it's been a fun race. And with the Indians getting Carrasco and Kluber back, um, you know, obviously they're going to add a lot to that starting rotation. They're, they've been hot swinging the bats. But the bottom line is, I think, will the Twins at some point, and they have not done it all season, will their bats start to just start to maybe cool off just a little bit? Well, that's yet to be determined. It, 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 it's really hard to see their bats cooling off. I mean, now what they get their seventh 20 homer guy the other day when, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, I thought for a second there, things were looking bad. Nelson Cruz gets hit in the wrist. He misses some time, but that didn't seem to, to keep him out too long. And all of a sudden, just when it looked like the Indians were closing the gap, they get a few hinge injuries. Jose remembers who was one of the hottest players on that ball club. He goes down with a broken handmaid. They are getting Carrasco back, which I think will be a nice shot in the arm. I mean, from now, not only from a, a, a baseball standpoint, but from a clubhouse standpoint. This is a guy that's well-liked in that locker room, going through some chemotherapy. He's he's gotten past that point. He's going to be back on the roster. Uh, but they also, as, as soon as they were about to get Corey Kluber back, now all of a sudden his comeback has is, is kind of been pushed aside with the oblique injury. Yeah. So I, 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 right now, if you ask me today, I think the Twins are going to win this division. I think they're going to keep uh, the Indians at bay. The Indians will get in as a wild card. Uh, but the Twins, it, it, as much as we've, we've talked about them earlier, and I think as they started to lose that lead, a lot of people were kind of down on them and, and felt like they couldn't, couldn't hold it. And all of a sudden, they pushed the lead back to three and a half, four. I I think they end up winning this division. I really do. 
Yeah, well, they have a you know a rookie manager in Rocco Baldelli, and I don't know who came up with the status. Is you know a manager is really only responsible for eight to ten wins a year, which I I don't know who came up with that stat. Like I said, but I think it's actually more than that. You know, but really, Rock, I do, I really do, because I think there's so many, especially in the National League. I just think there's so many moves that a manager can make. Even the way he writes a lineup, I think obviously is going to affect the game on a daily basis. And you know. Whether you go out and get somebody, leave somebody in the game, or, or go out and get them and bring a reliever in, uh, I just think it factors into more than that, more than eight to ten yeah. wins a, a year. I do, but you got to give Rocco Baldelli a lot of credit. I didn't see it coming. I mean, think about everything that's on his plate. He's got a lot to deal with, but he's he's passing with flying colors. Rocky Rocco Baldelli has continued a trend of new managers having success right out the gate. I mean, whether it's Dave Roberts, whether it's AJ Hinch. Whether it's Rocco Baldelli, whether it's Kevin Cash. I mean, you're starting to see more and more of these guys get opportunities and they're prepared so that they can hit the ground running. Now, the the Twins did a really good job of, of bringing in pieces, acquiring some talent so that he had a good ball club to, to manage. And I do think there's a lot to be said about a manager and him being able to change uh, really the culture about the team and in the clubhouse the the thing that's different now is guys want to be in an environment that's fun, less stressful. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's a fine line between that because some of that stress actually brings out the best in players, but it can't be too much in today's game. It's got to be a, a right amount. And it seems like in Minnesota, they're all smiles. It's very rare that I, when I have watched them, a game with them that there's two – there's, it, it, it seems like they are having a, a, a blast every single time they play, whether they win or lose. So um, you know it's not being talked about with the Twins because when it comes to the offense, yes, we talk about their homers, but I don't think we put them in the same category as a, as a Yankees or a Red Sox or an Astros team. But I certainly think they belong there, Ben. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I think they don't get the notoriety, obviously, because they play in Minnesota. It's not a big market. Yeah. But the fans have really came out to support them this year. It's great to see. Uh, it, it really is a great city and a beautiful ballpark. Target Field is awesome. It's really a great place to play. I still have no idea why they didn't put a retractable roof on it, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> because they wanted to enjoy their summers, is what they told us. when I, I remember going there for the first time in like 2011, I think it was. And it, first of all, it's one of the best hitting backdrops you'll ever have. It's just mm-hmm. a black wall, and it's perfect to see a baseball. But I had the same question because it happened to be freezing that day, and I was like, hey, yo, why, you guys are in Minnesota. Why no roof? So we want to enjoy our summers. We want, so, I mean, I guess there's, I summers, there's summers a month and a half long. <laughs> Come on, man. Hey, I agree with you, Ben, but that was the reason they gave me at least. Oh, well, I got you. Well, any place that has, you know, tunnels that you can walk from building to building, I think, you know, that their ballpark should have a retractable roof. But that's just me. I, I just think they can make it in such a way that, you know, I, maybe they just didn't have the space. It is tightly packed downtown Minneapolis, but yeah. uh, it is what it is. But moving on to the ALS, the, you know, the Astros, I think, are going to wrap this up. Um, I think that the, the A's are making a push. They're making it you know, fun to watch. It is a fun ball club. Bob, Bob Melvin has that ball club uh, moving and shaking and, and they, they can swing the bats. You want to talk about a sneaky lineup and this is without even Chris Davis doing Chris Davis like things, right? I mean, this is a, a lineup that are swinging the bats. They might steal a base from time to time, 
they play very good defense. I mean, very good defense. And they've gotten better starting pitching than I think that they were uh, thinking they were going to get. But this is a lineup. They can put up some runs. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I, we saw them last year when they came to San Diego and – this is right as they were starting to ascend to make that to make that drive where they ended up getting the playoffs. But I mean, you're right; it is a sneaky lineup. You're talking Chapman, you're talking Olsen, Simeon, and and, and Loriano has been really good not only offensively mm-hmm. but he's quickly become one of the best outfielders, best center fielders in the game. And and but that's how their team is is constructed. It's it's a defensive first team. They're going to make every play. They're not going to give you any extra outs. So you know that going into a series with them. You're not going to get very, very many extra outs uh, and, and sneaky offense. They they got some pop really up and down that lineup. It's not just one guy that can drive a ball out of the baseball park. Really, about, about one through seven of those guys are dangerous uh, when you have them, uh, when you're facing that lineup. So uh, clearly uh, that has been their formula. Obviously the pitching has been good for them as well, and I think that's why you've seen them ascend here. Uh, a guy like like fear like Fires is there is is there probably their best pitcher right now with with some of the guys injured. But this team is somebody that that could that could. I don't necessarily want to face them in a in a first round matchup because they have the type of uh, mm-hmm. of team that could beat you and then upset some few more other people if they get out of that first round game. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, go from the AL West to the NL West. And did you get my text last night about I did. Kelly Chan? I did. So, I, it was, <laughs> so it, I, was, I was hypnotized by Maeda and how long he was taking to throw the ball during the game. So I was just kind of out of it. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm an idiot. I stay up till the very last game's on. So I'm obviously here in Philadelphia watching the, the game last night uh, between the Padres and the Dodgers. And uh, Kenley Jansen blows another save. And I'm, he's throwing 89 to 92. I think may see one pitch at 93, but his cutter's not cutting. Tony, what are they going to do? What are, what are the Dodgers going to do? You, I, I, have, you can't trust him right now, can you? You guys have heard me yelling it from the Raptors since the trade deadline. And I know. I think it's it's coming to a head right now because Kenley's struggling. He's listen. He's taxed. He's got a lot of innings. Think this is six. This if they win the division this year, this will be seven straight division titles. He was on all six of the division titles, all deep runs. I think with the exception of one, all of them have gone to the NLCS at the very least, and he's been a huge part of it. Not to mention the innings he pitched during the regular season and. To me, I just think it's it could turn turn out to be the biggest mistake this front office made, which is not getting Kenley Jansen some protection. Cause cause you know at this point he's being booed by his hometown fans, um, and, and he's not a bad dude by the way. He this is the first guy in there with Clayton Kershaw in the locker room. He's the last guy to leave along with Clayton Kershaw in that locker room. So it isn't a matter of trying, but the fact of the matter is he, his cutter is more inconsistent than it's ever been. You yeah. know, there there were always years where Kenley Jansen, he'd have a, a day, a, a game or four where his cutter wasn't quite moving the same that it normally does. But other than that, it pretty much moved. This year, more than any year I could ever remember, I've seen more accidental four-seam fastballs, you know, because everything's supposed to be cutting, but it's yeah. seemingly straightening, straightening out. And not only is it straightening out, the velocity is down. So that becomes an issue in the back end of the bullpen, especially come playoffs. None of this stuff matters right now for the Dodgers during the regular season. I mean, 
Dave Roberts, the season doesn't start for the Dodgers because of the last two years where they've reached the World Series. It doesn't even start to the playoffs. So, you know, at this point, for Dave Roberts, his toughest job is finding a way to experiment and at the same time keeping the edge that you need because we've seen teams, we've seen the Dodgers two years ago after having the ridiculous start, really stumble through September. They get in and they're able to get all the way to the World Series, but that's not how you want to go into the playoffs. You want to go into the playoffs playing your best baseball. And when you're 21 games up, it's kind of hard to keep that focus. But the biggest issue the Dodgers have is going to be figuring out that bullpen and, and Kenley Jansen, no doubt. Yeah, and you know one thing that, that they do have on their side, though, and this is 100% compliment towards Dave Roberts, who's been very kind enough to come on our show a couple times. But did you see, I, I know you, not the way you wanted it to end last night, but if you look at the Dodgers last night, there was it's a tie ball game, Canley blows a save, uh, they go to extra innings, and all of a sudden there's a man on set, two out walk gets you every time, uh, yep. stole, stolen base, and there's a ground ball that uh, Russell Martin hits the shortstop. Luis Arias throws it away. They score the winning run. But did you see that Dodgers dugout? It wasn't like yes. 20, 21 games up, but they're still like, yeah, like it was, it was, it was energetic, and it was, it was for real. It wasn't just like, woo, you know, get the no, balloons no. out, and the pom poms. This was legit. This was like, yeah, you know what? We're ne- we're winning this ball game. I don't it's care a- how many games we're up. We're winning this ball game. I love to see that. It's That's a fire. Very- it's a very business-like approach for the Dodger. I talked to Dave actually two days ago on the field because I asked him that exact question. I was like, how, how do you balance being up 21 games and also wanting to experiment so you know how you want to line things up in the playoffs? And the one thing he mentioned that caught my ear was, you know, it, it's, about, it's about communication. And, and he's all, it's not the team communication. He's all, you know, you have a team meeting Everything that you say doesn't apply to every guy in, in, in those team meetings. So which, what the trick is, you got to have individual conversations with them. You got to let them know what the plan is, how you plan on using them moving forward. And then there has to be a little bit of trust between player and, and manager. And in this case, I think Dave Roberts has built up that trust over the last two years. So he can pull a guy like Kike Hernandez aside and say, hey, listen, this is this is the plan going to be moving forward. This, I'm going to try to get you in here. I'm going to try to get you some bats here. And guys can buy in. And that's the biggest thing I notice about this year's team, LA Los Angeles Dodger team, compared to the other years. There seems to be more buy-in to a man in mm-hmm. the locker room than there has at any point that I've ever been that I've ever watched this Dodger team play. You talk to them before the game, they're all on the same page. They yeah. all have the same personalities as far as wanting to learn and get better, even if they're a guy like Justin Turner. And that's what makes this team so good is that, as you said, even in the extra inning game against the fourth-place Padres, they're acting as though this game means like it's going to the playoffs. And, and yeah. that's that's the kind of fire you want to have for the rest of the season into the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's been fun to watch. Going from the, the National League West to the National League East, uh, obviously you got some teams that are making some runs. I just don't think anyone's catching the Braves. And you keep waiting for them to go under this, some, some kind of lull. It ain't right. happening. The lineup is good. The starting pitching has been really good. Obviously, they solidified that bullpen. Melanson um, has been a stalwart at the back end of that, which I think is, is going to help them out in the playoffs. But, you know, you look at the 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 uh, the Mets. They're coming into Philadelphia tomorrow. It's going to be a big series between the Phillies and the Mets, uh, obviously in, in contention for that uh, second wild card because I think the Nats are going to lock up the other. They're just playing entirely too good. They don't lose. They got a great rotation and their offense is clicking on all cylinders. So I think it's going to come down to the Phillies and the, and the Mets. 
you know, obviously the Cubs are there as well to get that second wild card. But you look at Peter Lonzo, and I, I think it was going to be a close race had Fernando Tatis Jr. stayed healthy. But this dude has locked up the Rookie of the Year, without a doubt. 42 home runs. He's hit 42 of them. And none of them are wall scrapers. You can talk no. about juice balls. You can talk about whatever you want. This dude has line-to-line pop. Uh, what's your take on him? And can he, can he sustain this throughout his career? I love his nickname, the Polar Bear, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it seems to fit him perfectly. I've, I've, I've been impressed with him really all season long. I, I recall uh, Padres rookie Chris Paddock kind of calling him out early in the year. And, and he handled it with such grace for he, he doesn't for as big as he is he seems pretty soft spoken not a guy that is seeking a whole lot of attention and from that point on I kind of kept my eye on him and he got off to a, a slow start in the second half and you start to yourself oh man the home run derby got somebody again but mm-hmm. he he figured it out and, and and he's been back on the tear listen ultimately if if the Mets continue to keep pushing towards his wild card. I won't be surprised if he gets some MVP votes this year. I mean, that's how good really? Pete Alonso has been this year. I, I won't because they're four games out. If they if they keep pushing and they're making noise right up to the end, I think he'll get a vote or two from 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 for an MVP. I mean, the Mets who nobody had them picked to do anything this year, especially before the break, right? I mean, even after the break, they trade for Stroman. Everybody had question marks all around their head trying to figure out what was going on. But Pete Alonso is a big reason. Why this team and that pitching staff, I don't want to take anything away from them. They've been really good in the second half. But Pete Alonzo just continues to, to hit homers. And I, I, I agree with you, Ben. He's definitely got this uh, National League Rookie of the Year locked up. And, and this is one of the strongest rookie classes we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, it is a really good class. But his Mets are going to be coming into Philly this weekend. We're going to get uh, the Phillies are going to get Wheeler, Mats, and Stroman. So any one of those guys can go out there and shove on a get on a particular day. They all have really really good stuff. But one player in particular they're going to have to deal with uh, is JT Real Muto, who's been so good for the Phillies. I mean, honestly, this guy has been everything and then some. He's currently hitting 280. He's got 20 home runs, one off his career high uh, in 21, which he had last year. His the, the highest WAR on the team at 4.1. He's got 69 RBIs. He's got seven stolen bases. This guy is the most complete catcher in all of baseball. I know you might have a Gary Sanchez that will hit more home runs, um, you know. But J, JT Realmuto is he's really becoming coming into his own. This guy is almost 50 percent. 50% of throwing guys out. And I did a demo on him the other night in the studio and how quickly he's able to get to his feet. And he's he's got a short arm right from his ears like he's throwing darts, but he's got a heck of a lot on at the second base. He's so accurate. Almost 50% in this day and age in baseball, that's really saying something. And on a team, you know, we're seeing a lot of teams that are still running on him. Now, you being a speedster yourself, and obviously I never was, but I was always up for the challenge from a, catch, from, a, <laughs> from a catching standpoint. <laughs> I was always up for that challenge. But if you have, if you're Tony Gwynn Jr., the base dealer, and you keep seeing guys getting shot down at second base are you going to keep running you know what ultimately as a base stealer the bag is stolen off the pitcher and if you got a good combination of a pitcher that's you know relatively quick and a guy like Rio Muto behind the plate it's instant shutdown and guess what more importantly the the coaching staff that does their reports before the game when they do their scouting 
that's going to be the first thing indicated. They're going to go as they're putting their game plan together. They're going to they're talking to themselves like, listen, this is probably serious. We don't run because what even if a pitcher is slow, Rio Muto is making up the lost time via how quick he is getting rid of the ball and getting it down to second. So to answer your question, the guy is up around 50%. You're going to have to get a, 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 a actual steal sign from your third base coach yeah. or you're likely not going anywhere. You just don't, right. especially in today's game where, you know, nobody's really trying to take risk. Nobody's really trying to take uh, a, a gamble. Most staffs are going to be like, this is all, this is red light, this entire series. Nobody's yeah. going anywhere unless we're hitting and running or unless we pick something up from the pitcher that, we can take advantage of. Otherwise, we're not going to take that risk. And having a guy like that behind a dish is is the equivalent of having a cornerback shut down one half of the field. You know immediately that that part of the game is completely done. And there's still few teams that that run as a that's a part that running is a part of their offensive game. That's going to be shut down when you go up against a guy like Rio Muto. Yeah, it, it's been fun to watch. You you said something funny. You said hit and run. What's what's that? <laughs> <laughs> right? Nobody. How many? How many? Have no, you seen nobody this year? knows what that. I, I haven't <laughs> seen. I I think I've seen one. I think I think Andy Green put one on this year, and it completely blew up. We haven't seen it again. Oh my God, that's it's it's amazing. I, I it's just something you just don't see hitting behind the runner. It, it's just. At some point, we that's another that's for another rainy day. But um, I think at some point it's going to come back. But we'll see. We'll see if the hit and run or this, you know more stolen bases ever come back or the bunts. But uh, again, that's for, that's for another rainy day. Well, as we move forward, we had a list of the 2010s All Decade Team: Trout, Kershaw, Sale. A lot of guys on this on this list. Name me one guy, Tony, that you think is going to be on this list for the 2020s in the decade of 2020. Uh, who do you think is going to be on that list currently in the major leagues? Oh, I, I think the the one that pops in my head the quickest is Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, I, I see him being a part of that. I see him being at the top of that list for 2020. He's a guy who I think we got the chance to see. He plays the game with an excitement that br- puts puts butts in the seats, basically. And and he can do it all from a defensive standpoint, from an offense standpoint. He's a five-tool player. Uh, and he's exciting to watch. He's got charisma, you know, and, and that's a big part of when you're trying to sell the game to a younger generation, uh, having that charisma and being an exciting type of player that can do it all. I, I see Fernando Tatis Jr. being on there, and, and it's a no-brainer to me. Yeah, I, I, I love your pick. Uh, I'm going to stick with someone in the National League East, and that's Ronald Acuna Jr. Mm. This guy is so dynamic we know what he can do with the bat but how about some of the throws he's made recently i mean this guy is talk about another five tool player yeah uh, he can go get him in the outfield his power uh this kid is is right at the top of you know what i'm going to go out on a limb right now i'm gonna say he's one of the top 10 baseball players in that's both fair. in the major leagues i, I just think fair. that's where he is right now he currently and he's so young and he's just going to be so good for so many years uh he's not a guy that's going to get out of shape you know, he's got a good baseball body. Uh, he's he's strong, and he can beat you in so many different ways. So I'm going to go with Acuna Jr. Yeah, and listen, I think part of that is uh, I, I've been really impressed with his defensive improvement. I didn't, I had no idea he could go get it like that. I, I, I kind of knew he had a little bit of an arm, but he's made some terrific throws, and I think just his, his ability to man center field has been, has been super impressive this year. 
Yeah, he's good. I, you know, I kind of liken him to, uh, I'm showing my age here, I kind of liken him to Raul Mondesi. You know, I think Raul yeah. is a little bit bigger, a little bit more muscular, but they all have the, kind of the same game. Pop, uh, I think Acuna's going to hit for more average, but he's yeah, got a very yeah. good arm. He can steal bases. Uh, so I, that's who I kind of liken him to in the outfield. Hey, this is Cody Decker from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about hymns. Now, baseball has done a hell of a job ruining my hairline over the years, and quite frankly, my wife can't stand it. Well, thank God I just started taking hymns. Go to 4hymns.com. 4hymns.com is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Now, hair loss gets to be a decision rather than an absolute fate. Hymns connects you to real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. These are no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. No, this is real medication from doctors backed by science. Use promo code SWING and my listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See website for full details and safety information. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4hymns.com slash swing. That's 4hymns spelled F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash swing. We are now privileged to have Gabe Kapler on our program, the current manager in his second year uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies and former outfielder for six big league teams. Gabe, we really appreciate you coming on today. Ben, I'm really happy to be here. Tony, really good to talk to you. Well, as the Phillies are, are moving into a, a playoff push here, we only have a, a month full of games remaining, and this team has had some ups and downs. Obviously, uh, you, you get to witness it in the dugout every day, but uh, one up for me, and, and this is me just being selfish here, uh, watching this kid play every day in JT Real Muto, it is such a joy to watch him, you know, now hitting 280, throwing out almost 50% of the base runners. He has been so special for you guys this season. Ben, I mean, coming from uh, a catcher's vantage point, I, I imagine it's really exciting to see a guy who's that athletic, that quick, has an exchange like JT does, and the ability to put the ball in the bag so consistently. Um, on top of that, I told him last night that one of the things that impresses me most about the work that he does is how he gets younger pitchers through very difficult innings. And like last night, by way of example, we had to cover four innings with Austin Davis and with Edgar Garcia. And I said, JT, one of your biggest accomplishments is getting those young pitchers through very difficult lineups when they really don't have all that much experience doing it. So JT brings so many things to the table and everybody sees the athleticism behind the plate. Everybody sees the extra base hit power. Everybody sees the guy that you can stick in the middle of the lineup. But what I think most people don't see is his ability to connect with our young pitchers and really get them through tough spots. That's what's standing out to me right now. Yeah, and that's not an easy task for a, a, a veteran catcher uh, dealing with a young staff. It's just hard to bring them along. One of the other ups, though, Gabe, this year, well, at least in, in the past couple of weeks, is the offense has ticked up. And you guys bring Charlie Manuel back as a hitting coach. Has the message changed from an offensive standpoint, or is this just a coincidence with the timing? I don't think it's a coincidence. I think Charlie brings a comforting factor to the dugout. I think he brings a confident, boosting um, attitude and element to the, to the clubhouse and the dugout. I, I was listening to Scott Kingery talk on the radio this morning, and he talked about how players are most responsible for their success in the batter's no box. He talked about the adjustments that he's made from year one to year two. And the question came up, like, how much influence did Charlie have on, on some of that, you know, some of his most recent development? And, and Scott identified how comfortable 
um, Charlie makes him feel, and that's a really important factor for him. Yeah. But he also talked about how he has a game plan going into every game, into every at-bat that started in his rookie season, and he's continued that into this season. So I'd say across the board, players are most responsible for their approach in the batter's box. We're just kind of signposts. The coaches, Charlie Manuel, um, Bobby Dickerson on the infield, Paco Figueroa in the, in the outfield. We're just signposts for these young players. Ultimately, they are the one the ones making adjustments, and they, they're deserving of all the success. So, TG, circling back to your question, I think the adjustments that have made have been made recently, like Reese Hoskins last night, right. um, is mostly due to the work that they've done, and they deserve all the credit for those adjustments. You know, Cap, as you make this, this playoff push, you currently are two games behind uh, the Chicago Cubs and five games behind the Washington uh, Nats for that second playoff uh, picture there. How if, how important is it to you to stress to your players? I you know you have the Mets coming in tomorrow night. How important and how difficult is it for you to say, you know what, guys, we can't worry about we can't worry about Stephen Matz on Saturday night. We have to worry about Zach Wheeler and Zach Wheeler only on Friday night. Getting you guys just to play day by day, it's got to be a challenge. Interesting. Um, you know, just once again circling back to that conversation I heard uh, with Scott this morning, a lot of it was focused on do players scoreboard watch. And I think that's true for players, coaches, front office executives, ownership. Everybody watches the scoreboard. But I do think that we are responsible for taking care of our business. To your point, we can't be thinking about Matt's tomorrow. We can't be thinking about Descofani, the first day in Cincinnati. Although we plan for those things, and I'm already thinking about, by way of example, Andrew Knapp catching that game in, in lieu of, of JT Real Muto. But tomorrow's game is the only one that matters right now. And if we don't win that game, we're less likely to win the next game because we won't have that momentum, that confidence, uh, that strong foundation and platform to build on. If we can just focus on the pitch right in front of us, on the step right in front of us, we will be the best baseball team we can be. And it doesn't matter what is across the jersey of the opposition in those moments. Gabe, I, I, I was a teammate of yours for a year, and you're one of the nicest people I've ever been around. Now, I'm, I'm watching you as a manager have to do things like you know, discipline guys for not hustling out of the box. Is that, is that something that is, that is a difficult thing for you, or is it as simple as, listen, this is what I have to do for the betterment of the team? Uh, is, or is that something that comes easy to you? What I've found is that some guys need that sort of discipline, but most guys, and this is part of the, the, the foundation that I'll stand on here, these are grown-ups, right? right. And, and Tony, Ben, you guys have both experienced this. I've had, I've had managers come up to me when I was in my 30s and say, hey, you should have you know, taken the secondary lead at first base a little bit more aggressively. And most of the time, my, my answer internally is, dude, I know. Right. I, I, I've been around the block a lot of times. I have a lot of dirt in my spikes. I understand it. You don't have to tell me. You can tell me if you want. You can try to discipline me if you want. But ultimately, I understand this game. I think that's actually true for more players than we think. So what it turns out to be is more of a reminder mm. rather than a discipline. A guy doesn't get a good secondary lead and isn't standing on third base when he should be. We just come up to him in the dugout and have him come over and say, hey, like, what would you think about that play? Have him talk through it a little bit. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we find that Jay Bruce or Scott Kingery or Gene Segura or Cesar Hernandez or whichever player you want to point to, they already know that they missed the mark. They, they, they might could use a reminder from time to time, but it's not one of those things that it's not like Little League, right? Like it, it's not 
always a disciplined thing, even though it looks like it from the out the outside. Gabe, last year it was your first year managing, and I remember we ha- us having this conversation last year. Is what did you find to be the toughest part of the job that you really didn't think so? And you said writing the lineup. <laughs> you said you <laughs> rack your brain, you rack your brain about where I could put certain guys. You guys, I just thought you get some names, you put it in the lineup, and there you go. Has that gotten a little bit easier for you this year? Obviously, the big addition uh, of you know you had McCutcheon, Segor, Real Muto. Uh, and obviously Bryce Harper. Has that gotten a little bit easier for you, or does it still present a, a big challenge every day? It does present a pretty big <laughs> challenge. It hasn't gotten a whole lot easier, and mostly because you know you're you're not just managing the lineup to put the best nine guys guys on the field or or order them effectively and appropriately. You're trying to play to their emotion as well. So by way of example, Ben, you know this as well as anybody. Reese has been hitting quite a bit in the leadoff spot, mm-hmm. and I really like him up there. But at the end of the day, I have to make sure that Reese is comfortable and he's confident in that mm-hmm. spot. So it's not just about what sets the stage for the rest of the team in the first at bat of the game. Sometimes it's about what makes Reese feel the most confident. So that's just a quick snapshot of what I do with just Reese Hoskins. Now imagine doing it for eight guys in the lineup plus the pitcher. And now imagine doing it for 25 guys or 40 guys because you're going down to the minor league level and the guys on the 40-man roster and putting them consistently in the best position to succeed and making them the most confident versions of themselves. It's a really difficult task. So to answer your question openly, honestly, and directly, Ben, no, it hasn't gotten a whole lot easier. Every (laughs) single day is a grind. But I can also tell you that because it's a grind, because it's a challenge, it's also invigorating and and inspiring on a regular basis. I'm sure. That's that's interesting, Gabe, because you talk to most managers – uh, and they would tell you managing the bullpen is like the toughest thing, but you, you got the lineup, and it makes sense. I mean, you got a lot of talent that you're trying to figure out who works who works off of who, and then you bring in the whole, you know, from a personal standpoint, how you kind of have to manage it. Uh, but since we're on the subject of lineups, let me ask you this, because Bryce Harper has been in a number of different spots uh, for you this year in that lineup. Is there a, a place that you like to see Bryson consistently, or is it one of those things you're going to put him wherever you think is going to best help the team? I like Bryson the two, but that's not, you know, that's not enough. I know Bryce likes to be in the three. He's also spent some time in the leadoff spot. I like Bryson the two, and I'll tell you why. Number one, it comes up so frequently with runners in scoring position. Um, Surprisingly, the two spot comes up more frequently with runners in scoring position than the three spot does, And, and most people haven't really wrapped their brain around that yet. Number two, I really like him coming up behind a guy like, let's say, Gene Segura or Scott Kingery or Corey Dickerson in the leadoff spot who don't see a lot of pitches and then have Bryce come up and grind a pitcher down a little bit, maybe to get on base for a guy like Reese Hoskins by way of example. And then the final reason I like uh, Bryce so much in the two-hole is because it comes up a little bit more frequently. So if we're in the eighth or the ninth inning, the big spot emerges and we have an opportunity to win a game. If he's in the four-hole, he might not come up. If he's in the two, it's most likely that he gets in at bat, and we want him at the plate with the game on the line. It's pretty simple. Gabe, I, I think I, I already know your answer to this question, but uh, if you guys are going to get into that playoff, what do you? Th- what's the one thing that you think really needs to carry you into the playoffs? Is it your offense being more consistent? Is it starting pitcher pitching going deeper into ball games? What's the one thing that you think that can put you over the hump? Yeah, Benny, I think you and I have talked about this in, in the office a couple of times, but I'll just I'll restate it and, and restate it strongly. Uh, if we get to the postseason, it's because we bang. Um, our, our pitchers are getting the job done in terms of keeping us in baseball games, 
our bullpen with guys like Mike Morin and Blake Parker and Jared Hughes and Jose Alvarez have done a really nice job of, of extending the game and giving us a chance in the later innings. But ultimately, this team's strength is its offensive power, the ability to explode at any time. Uh, we haven't seen that on a consistent enough basis during this season. And, and for that reason, we're still kind of battling for a playoff spot instead of being in pole position. Uh, if we get there, it's going to be because our, because our offense clicks and, and we, we outbang other teams. All right, Gabe, one, one, one fun question for me. We just got through with Players Weekend. I, I personally was very down on the uniforms of black and white. Me too. Uh, what, what would you have put on your jersey for your name? Well, I did have cap on it, so that I mean, I guess is that what you would have yeah, went with cap? Pretty simple. I think it didn't matter if we were playing together on the Brewers, Tony, or you know, going back to all the way Jacksonville when I was playing against Benny. <laughs> I I would still probably have cap because it's the only nickname I've ever really gone by. Uh, but I really found it fun to to see our guys come up with different ideas about what they put on the back of their their jersey, like Roman Quinn, by way way of example, put uh, PSJ. And a lot of people were asking me what that meant, and it's for uh, Port St. Joe, his hometown in Florida, mm, that was mm. kind of devastated by the hurricane. And I think it's kind of cool. Players Weekend is, is a lot of fun. I, I believe in the emotion and, and the fun of the game and not trying to kind of push that down but allowing it to emerge. I think it makes it more fun for fans. And I'm really glad we had the Players Weekend. Kev, what was, what was Brad Miller's? Was Johnny Vandermeer? Was, wasn't it? Or Windermere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's about. I think that's a reference to his hometown as well. It was. Uh, Brad Miller gets a lot of like silver spoon kind of questions because I guess it's a it's an affluent town. I don't know much about it. I don't, I don't want to speak to it, but my understanding is that it's a uh, it's a little bit of a ritzier town, and his teammates buses bust him a little bit about it. And um, so at this point, he wears it on his jersey and with with pride. Yeah, so he's, fun. he's funny. He's sneaky funny. You guys would love him. Yeah. So. Uh, my former teammate, Willie Bloomquist, when they played together in Seattle, he gave it. He goes, oh, well, you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. He goes, well, you have a tough time putting a yacht in the water today. And, you know, it's, so Willie Bloomquist gave him that name. He gave him that name, and it, and it stuck, and he put it on his uniform for the weekend. So from That's that aspect, awesome. I, I like that. That was that was a good one. So, uh, Gabe, I know it's your off day, and we really do appreciate you uh, coming on with us today. It, it was just huge help, and uh, obviously your, your insight just really adds to the show. So we really appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to, to seeing you soon thank you gabe no that was a lot of fun guys let's uh let's do it again soon thanks a lot absolutely thanks cap thanks for listening to radio.com sports big time baseball players edition presented by radio.com sports you can subscribe to the show on itunes or wherever you download your podcast by searching big time baseball you can also find it on twitter at rdc sports until next time i'm ben davis alongside tony Gwynn jr we'll catch you next time This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 